Before I start, I just want to thank Rachel Nallis for some uh, beautiful ambiance here that we hear that we, and Carla helped too. Thank you, Carla Croker for helping Rachel for sure. And I might have to mute my computer here. Give me one moment. Yeah, I have some technical difficulties on my laptop. That's okay. Anyways, um, good morning once again. Uh, so glad you're here. I want to start off today by sharing a story, a story that I think will hopefully appeal to some children and maybe those who are kids at heart. Uh, it's a story that I've, that I've called Sammy the Squirrel, or it's a story that revolves around a character named Sammy the Squirrel. Once upon a time, there was a squirrel. And I hope there's kids watching this story. I'd love to know what you think of this story. Uh, but anyways, um, once upon a time, there was a, school, a squirrel named Sammy the Squirrel who lived in a forest, an incredible, incredibly beautiful forest. And Sammy the Squirrel, uh, he was blessed with a, with a forest full of nuts. He could have as many nuts as he wanted. I mean, he had dark brown nuts. He had light brown nuts. He had white nuts, rainbow nuts, pizza nuts, marshmallow nuts, what, whatever nuts he wanted, he had. The grocery stores were stocked full of all sorts of nuts. He was a happy guy. Not only uh, was Sammy happy because he had all the nuts he wanted, but he, was a, he had a job, an important job. He was a tree consultant. And all the animals of the forest would come to him to ask him questions about trees. The bears would come to Sammy and say, hey, Sammy, well, what, what, what's the best tree I can find so I can rub my back up against it and scratch my back? And Sammy would, he, he knew because he ran throughout the whole forest. So he would tell the bears, here, I'll, I'll bring you to the best back scratching tree. And the beavers came to him and said, hey, Sammy, what's the best tree that I can chew down and fall over and turn into, you know, Piece, grab some pieces from trees and turn it into a dam. And Sammy would take them to the right trees and the beaver would say, thank you so much, Sammy. And then the birds would come too and say, hey, Sammy, what's, what's the best trees and the best branches for me to find and, and build a nest so we could raise our young in, in the nest? And Sammy, of course, he would know because he would climb up and down all the trees. He was the best tree consultant there was and that was his job and he made lots of money doing it. He was, he was so happy. And he had lots of friends too, which, which, which made his life uh, very happy and joyous. Until one day, there was a monster that came to the forest. And this monster was a disease, and the disease was called Coco Loco. <laughs> because it made everybody Coco Loco. Everybody was going crazy. And the disease was so fierce that it created a nut shortage. The grocery stores, they couldn't carry all the nuts that Sammy the squirrel really, really loved. In fact, uh, there's no trees or whatever is supposed to grow nuts. Uh, none of the trees and plants grew the nuts that uh, Sammy the squirrel really, really wanted. And the only nuts he had were the dark brown nuts. He appreciated that, but he wanted more variety in his life. So he was getting mad at the grocery store. He was getting mad at the Coco Loco monster. Ah, he started getting frustrated. And he said, well, you know what? At least I still have my tree consultant job. At least all the animals will come to me but then, and ask for help for, for, for you know, tree consulting stuff. And, and, and all of a sudden, you hear the roar from the Coco Loco monster. And the Coco Loco monster scared everybody. 
And the, the bears and the birds and the beavers, they were so scared, they decided they wouldn't come to Sammy the squirrel, squirrel for asking him questions about trees. And he couldn't do his job anymore. He started getting stressed out. He started asking himself, how am I going to pay the bills? What's the future going to look like? He says, ah, and he started getting mad at the beavers and the bears and the, and the birds and, and the Coco Loco monster and the grocery stores. Ah. Then he took a deep breath and he realized, you know what? I still got my friends. I still got my friends. At least I can hang out with them. And then, and then shortly after, the squirrel or the chipmunks came out and said, no one is allowed to hang out with their friends anymore. And Sammy went, I'm so stressed out. And he was getting mad at the chipmunks and the beavers and the bears and the birds and the grocery store. And he said, well, at least, at least I still have my marbles that I can play with. And he said, oh, where, where did I put those marbles? Where? Oh, I left them at my friend's house and I can't play with my friends. I've lost my marbles. Ah! And so he stomped around his house. Oh, he's kicking over the garbage cans. He grabbed his apple juice and threw it against the wall. He was so mad at everything and everyone. Mad at the grocery stores. Mad at the Coco Loco monster. Mad at the beavers and the bears and the birds and the chipmunks and the marbles. Ah! And he was starting to get angry. Well, he was angry for a long time. He was getting more and more angry and stressed. Ah! And all of a sudden, he heard something say, hey, Sammy. And he didn't hear, he didn't hear the voice, so he kept on screaming. Aah! And the voice said, hey, Sammy. He said, what? He said, it's God. And Sammy said, what do you want? Can't you see I'm busy? Aah! And God said, busy doing what? Just busy being angry and worried and stressed. And God said, hey, Sammy. Sammy said, what? He said, maybe we should talk. And Sammy said, yeah. I think you're right. I think we should talk. And God said, what's wrong? And Sammy said, oh, the grocery stores only sell the brown nuts and the beavers and the bears and the birds won't talk to me and the chipmunks are being annoying and, 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 the, and the pine cones are not falling in the right direction and the wind is not blowing in, in, in my direction in the right way. Everything is annoying. And God said, Sammy, just, just chill out for a second. Just calm down for a sec. And Sammy said, okay. And God said, let me ask you a few questions. And Sammy said, okay. And God said, hey, Sammy, yeah, who made the nuts? Well, well, you made the nuts, God. And Sammy said, and God said, yeah, you're right. Well, Sammy, who made the beavers and the bears and the birds? And, and, and Sammy said, well, well, you made the beavers, the bears, and the birds. And God said, who made the trees? And Sammy said, well, you made the trees. And God said, that's right. Who made the chipmunks and your friends? Well, you did, God. And Sammy, who made the forest? Well, you made the forest. And Sammy, do you think I was surprised by the Coco Loco monster? And Sammy said, no, I don't think you were surprised by that because you're God. And God says you're right. And he said, he said Sammy, uh, do, you, do you think I'm stronger than the Coco Loco monster? And he said, yeah, I think you are stronger. You're stronger than anything. And God said, you're right. And God said, just a couple more questions, Sammy. And he said, okay. He said, Sammy, who made you? And, and, and Sammy said, well, you made me, God. And God said, and, and do you know that I love you? And Sammy said, yeah, I know that you love me. And, and Sammy and God, they kept on talking a little more. And, 
And God encouraged Sammy to think of all the things that he could be thankful for. And as God and Sammy continued to talk, Sammy went from stressed out Sammy the squirrel to peaceful Sammy the squirrel because he had spent all his time talking to God. The end. Uh, If there's any kids out there watching, which I hope there were, uh, I want to encourage you to kind of do something similar to what we did last week. I'd love for you to draw a picture of Sammy the squirrel. Maybe some of you can draw what Sammy the squirrel looked like when he was frustrated and angry before he talked to God. And maybe others can maybe draw some pictures of what Sammy looked like after he talked uh, to God. I'd love to see what those pictures look like. I would encourage you to, uh, to draw a picture and, uh, and send it in to our t- get your parents to take a picture of it and have them email it to projector at gebc.ca. And then we will um, display your picture, but we won't display it during the message today. We'll display it at the very end of the service. There'll be a slideshow that we'll just be rifling through at the very end. Looking forward to what you kids and uh, adults who are childlike, perhaps, uh, uh, will come up with um, uh, today. Well, does anyone here feel like Sammy the squirrel? He just kind of feels stressed out and anxious and angry with what's going on in the world. Uh, (laughs) There's a few adults in here who said, yeah. And maybe there's kids that feel the the same way. Well, we're going to jump into a passage today that I think will help us if we're feeling kind of like Sammy the Squirrel right now. And this passage comes from one of my favorite books in the Bible, maybe my favorite book in the Bible. It's uh, the book of Philippians. And the book of Philippians was was written in a very ironic way. It was written by a a guy by the name of Paul, and it was written uh, while Paul was in prison. And this should have been a place where Paul was anxious and stressed and worried. And, it sh- and, and Paul should have been, because of his circumstances, acting like Sammy the squirrel. But he wasn't. Instead, there's multiple times in the book of Philippians where Paul tells uh, believers to be, full of the joy, uh, 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 to be full of joy in the Lord. And uh, he talks about this, the, the, the reason why we can have this joy because of our union with Christ which is what we'll get to in a second. So before we jump into that passage, let me just open up in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your presence here among us today at the church and in uh, everyone's living rooms or wherever people are watching. And we pray, Lord, if there's anyone here, adults or children who kind of feel like Sam with a squirrel, or we feel angry or stressed or mad at what's going on in the world, that you would just calm our hearts, that you would uh, just teach us from your word today, the things that you want to bring to our attention, to our minds and our hearts. And if there's anything that we need to change in order to receive your peace, we pray that you would help us do that today. Amen. Well, um, the passage, uh, now visual media team, I'm seeing uh, weird uh, things here on the computer, a video. I'm not sure if people are seeing the service. It looks like they might be, but I'll just, I'll just trust they are seeing the service. Um, Philippians, uh, I, I'm just seeing a video. I'll just pause here for a second. I'm seeing a video that people might be seeing. Let me just pause here for a second. Uh, th- does it look like people are seeing the service right now online? From, your, from where you're van- Yes, thumbs up. Okay, I'll just trust that my computer's seeing something different, and that's okay. Um, Flip, the passage we're looking into right now is Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7. And the, the passage says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So that's the passage we're working with today. Just a few verses, four verses actually. And I'm going to break it down to six different sections or phrases. And the first phrase is this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I, I say it again, rejoice. Again, let me remind you that Paul is writing this from prison. And because of his circumstances, he should be angry and stressed and mad and disappointed, and maybe scared about what his future looks like. But he tells the Philippians and really all believers to be full of joy in the Lord. Why? Where does this come from? Well, if we re rewind a few verses in, the, in chapter 3, Paul tells us, in verse 20 and 21, he says, We are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. And so uh, there's, there's, this is why we can be joyful, because we are citizens of heaven, because we have a, a glorious future that we can look for, uh, forward to, that we know that he's coming again, that we know that our bodies one day are going to be made new. And so we have joy because God is in control, because of our union with him, because God, through Christ, is going to save us, because we have the promise of uh, the resurrection, that no matter what happens to us, that God wins in the end, that we win with him. And that's why we can have this supernatural joy that, that Paul speaks of. Well, what is joy? Uh, when we talk about having joy in the Lord, well, joy is a deep sense of gladness or delight. It can include celebration or happiness. And ultimately, we can, we can delight, we can, uh, we can uh, be glad in the Lord, because we, and ultimately it's rooted in, our, in, our, in confidence and faith in God. Uh, our, our joy is rooted in confidence and faith in God. Well, how often should we be joyful? Uh, we should be joyful, it says in this passage, always. Not sometimes, not uh, most of the time, but always. And again, this was written from prison. Uh, Paul had reason from a human perspective not to be full of joy, but he was joyful. We should be joyful even in the midst of persecution. Even when we face death, we can still be joyful. Uh, even in moments of grief, we can find joy. I know many of, us, uh, many of us have experienced a loss of a loved one, and that can be moments where we're just filled with grief and sadness. But even the moments of grief and sadness, we can still experience joy. Um, because we know that when our loved ones pass away, when, when they die, as difficult and as hard as that is, we know that for those who are in Christ Jesus, we know that's not the end. That's not the end of the story. And we, we can look forward to another, a new day where... Um, uh, we, are, we will get new bodies and we will be resurrected and have new life with him. In fact, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Philippians 1.21. It's in this book. As for, for, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So whether I'm living or dying, I win. Because if I get to live in this life, I get to serve Christ and expand his kingdom and work for his kingdom. And if I die, I get to go be with him. I win either way with, when I have the special union with Christ. And so Paul would say here that, you, that we are to always be full of joy in the Lord, even in life's difficulties. doesn't mean we have moments where we, where we can be sad or experience grief, but we always take joy and delight in the Lord. 
There's a verse in the Bible in the book of Nehemiah after the Jewish people in the Old Testament, they had did this what seemed to be an impossible feat. They had completed rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And after they had completed that, Nehemiah turned to the Jewish people and he, he, he told them that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so this joy that God gives us is almost like a, a blessing or a superpower that God gives us to help us get through life's difficult moments. What's the next phrase? The next phrase is, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Another translation, uh, instead of using the word considerate, it'll use the word gentle. And you know, uh, I, I, I've read this, I can't count the number of times that I've read this passage. This passage is just such a special passage, but the word of God is amazing in that you can read a passage a uh, hundred times and you can come at, at it. And when you read it the hundred and first time, you might discover something that you've never seen before. And I got to be honest, this is a phrase that I've never really seen before. It's something that I've glossed over, but I think it's really important in the times that we're living in right now. Um, what does it mean to be gentle and considerate? Well, this is pretty important, again, living with the times that we're living in, that you know, we're putting up with people's faults when people make mistakes or they say the wrong thing. Um, it's, it's, it's someone who doesn't seek revenge. It's someone who's open, who's conciliatory, who's trusting one's neighbor. Uh, we, we need that in our world today right now. The opposite of being gentle or considerate is someone who has a spirit of hostility, one who... Uh, is maybe going about things in a bitter way, one who is contentious or arguing or bickering or self-seeking. As you know, we're living in a time, in a day and age, where, uh, like Sammy the Squirrel, it's easy to kind of freak out and get angry and complain about everything. And you know what? Some of the complaints that we have about what's going on in our world right now, they might be valid and they might be true. But at the same time, what, you know, where do we get if we're constantly living in this, this negativity um, and, and, and just being constantly critical of everyone and everything and freaking out and being angry, are we really getting anywhere? You know, one of the biggest things on Paul's mind was, was that we do things, we do everything for the sake of the gospel, for advancing the gospel. And if we are busy not being considerate and gentle and being hostile and being bitter and critical of people both inside the church and divisive and stuff of both people inside the church and outside the church, where does it get us? Just a few verses earlier um, in Philippians 4, Paul was pleading with two ladies in the church that were not getting along to, be, to just, just to be at peace with each other, to resolve their conflict. And uh, I think the greater thing behind Paul's mind was that so the gospel could be advanced. Uh, the church doesn't look good when we're divided and not being gentle and considerate to each other, and neither do we look good to those outside of our church if we're not being gentle and considerate. And so we, we be gentle, considerate, respectful for the sake of the gospel. And, you know, I think this is an area where we need to ask God to check our hearts and our minds. And if we've fallen short in this area, if we're living with hostility and anger and a critical spirit towards others, I think we need to ask God to search our hearts and our minds. And if, and if, and if we're falling short in this area, to ask for forgiveness, and he will certainly uh, help us. The next phrase is um, the same verse. It says this, remember the Lord is coming soon. And this is one of the reasons why we can have joy. Remember the Lord is coming soon. It's important for us to look at the bigger picture and remember that this world is not all as it should be. And the fact that, the fact that Jesus is coming soon should be cause for great joy. 
You know, I look at the world and my heart gets depressed. I get really sad sometimes when I hear stories of um, earthquakes taking people's lives and famines uh, where people are starving to death or you hear, you see of countries that are divided or people taking advantage of each other. Man, it just grieves my heart. It makes me sad. Uh, but you know what encourages me? Uh, what encourages me is that I know that one day Jesus is going to come back and that he's going to make right every wrong, that this world is not all, is not all that there is, and it's not all that, that it should be. And one day God is going to make it right, and that he is in control. The Lord's return should encourage us and should cause us to have joy. The Lord will rescue us one day. As I was reflecting on this, this point this past week, I, I thought of the story in the Old Testament in Exodus where uh, God had miraculously freed the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt through uh, incredibly miraculous uh, plagues. And there's a point in the story where the Israelites are pinned up against the Red Sea and the Egyptian army is, is coming towards the Israelites because they had changed their mind. They wanted them back. And the Israelites saw the Egyptians coming and they started to freak out. They started to freak out like Sammy the Squirrel. Ah, we're all going to die. Ah, Moses, why'd you bring us here? And they started getting just stressed out and mad and worried. And you know what Moses said? Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And the story continues with God miraculously opening up the Red Sea where there's two walls of water and the ground uh, is dried up for them so that the Israelites can walk through to safety on dry ground. Dry ground. And when they get to the other side and the Egyptians follow through the sea, then God allows the water to crash in on them and the Israelites are freed. Well, in a similar way, Jesus is coming. He's coming back and he's going to rescue us and he's going to bring us to himself and no matter what difficulties we face in this life, it, it, should be, it should bring us great joy to know that he's coming back, he's returning. And we don't know when he's coming back, but whenever he comes, it, it just reminds us that God is ultimately in control. And if God is ultimately in control, it should cause us to have joy in whatever it is that we're going through. Which brings us to our next point. In verse 6, it says, Don't worry about anything. Another translation will, will read, uh, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. And so I'm not saying that we, we can't be concerned about things, that we can't take interest in things, that we don't have to care for things, but we don't worry or be anxious. Now, the word anxious means to be pulled apart, to be pulled apart. The kind of anxiety we're talking about is one that unhinges, that, that paralyzes, that incapacitates somebody. It's, it's worry that just overtakes you and overpowers you. Well, why are we not to worry and why are we not to be anxious? Well, because of the hope that we have in Jesus. Because of the hope we have in Jesus, the fact that, that he's coming again, that, we, that our, our, our citizenship is in heaven, that we're going to heaven, that we're going to get new resurrected bodies, that he is in control. That's why we don't need to worry about anything. Now, somebody might say, well, there has to be something that we are allowed to worry about, surely. Someone might say, okay, um, what, what, about, uh, what about if I get sick? Uh, what if I get some disease? Or what if I get some, just some really bad sickness and my life is on the line? Am, am I allowed then to worry? And I would say no. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, 
Of course, you can be concerned that, of course, you bring those things to the Lord in prayer. But for those who are in Christ, you win either way. If we live, then we can serve the Lord. And if we die, we get a new body. Uh, for those of us who might be, maybe are, you know, maybe there's a student out there who's really stressed out about doing well in exams because they want to do well in exams and they want to make sure they get a good career and they're trying so hard. And what if I fail the exam and I can't get the career that I wanted? Well, listen, um, at the end of the day, God is in control. And whatever it is that we're striving for, we need to do what we feel the Lord telling us to do. But other than that, we just need to do our best and trust God with the rest. Other, others of us, maybe in this time, are kind of stressed out with employment, with their job. Maybe there's, there's situations where someone's, uh, I don't know, losing a friend or there's a relationship that's in the balance or that's really stressed out and you're wondering and you're worrying. But you've got to remember that God is in control, that he loves you, that he wants the best for you. And you've got to do, of course, what God calls you to do. And, and, but at the end of the day, you have to, again, just, just do your best and trust God with uh, the rest. He's in control and uh, there's a better future ahead of us and we need to trust him with that. Thank God that this world is not all as it is and uh, the stresses of this life are, are, um, aren't the end goal. They aren't the end of the story. Jesus has the end of, the, of our story in his, um, in his mind for us. Well, what is worry? At the end of the day, worry... Worry is actually a lack of faith. Worry is a lack of faith that God is in control. And so when we have moments of worry and moments of anxiety, we're actually communicating to God, I'm not sure, God, if you can see what I'm going through, and I'm not sure if I can trust you with the outcome of whatever it is I'm going through right now. And so worry is something that actually needs to be repented of. And, you know, I, I'm just as guilty as anyone else. And sometimes in, my, in, in different situations and moments of my life, I get anxious and I worry and that's a moment where I need to say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for getting consumed with worry or anxiety because when I do that, it's actually a lack of faith that I'm trusting that you're going to work this out for, for my good and for your glory. And so ask God if this is an area that you need to work on and he will, he will, he will forgive you and he will help you to not give you a heart of worry or anxiety. Which leads us perfectly to our next phrase that I want to talk about today. The next phrase is instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So prayer. Prayer is absolutely important. And when we talk about putting our faith in Jesus, uh, prayer is a way that helps us, it helps grow our faith in Jesus. Prayer is a way that helps us acknowledge our dependence on God. It's a way to acknowledge that God is in control. And just a couple of thoughts that I had in mind as we talk about prayer you know, Jesus taught us when we pray to close the door behind us, to, 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 to make it private. And I think it's really important that, of course, we can pray at any time of the day, in our car, on the walk, just on the go, whatever. But I think it's important to have some moments of prayer with the Lord that we are intentionally just, just, just throwing out all the distractions that are around us. I think it's important for some moments when we spend time with the Lord that you turn your phone off, that you turn your computer off, that you turn all your electronics off, uh, that, you, that you do close the door, that you try to minimize any distractions and you just be silent before him. Because sometimes the distractions in this life can, can just, it, it, well, first of all, if you allow it to distract us, it can be, I think, disrespectful towards, towards God. But, but at the same time, too, we might not be able to hear God as as well if we let those distractions kind of get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. 
So it's important to, to spend some intentional time with minimal distractions. But sometimes we can be our own worst, own worst enemy when it comes to distractions. You know, this past week, on Monday, I came into the church office and uh, I had a task list in my mind of certain things I was really antsy to get to. I remember coming into the office. I remember sitting on the couch. I was sitting on the edge of the couch and, and just the posture of my body. I kind of felt like I was tapping my toe when I was talking to the Lord in prayer. And I was going through the task list. Hey, Lord, I got to do A, B, and C. And I was sitting forward, looking at my computer, kind of wanting to get at it. And, and I was probably, you know, tapping my toes and I just kind of rushing through this to-do list with God. And I just kind of felt the Lord say, hey, Ryan, would you just chill out for a sec? <laughs> would you just calm down? Uh, why don't you sit and stay a while? And so with that, I, I kind of felt the Lord speaking to me and I said, yeah, for sure. You know, I put my phone aside and sat back on the couch and just had a relaxed conversation with, with the Lord. And so sometimes we just got to, sometimes we are our own worst nightmares. We, we need to allow the external things to not distract us, but even our own minds and hearts not to distract us. Uh, it's important for us to spend some intentional time with him. This made me think of a story in the Old Testament where, the prophet Elijah, he goes into the desert and he goes to meet with God and he comes up to this mountain cave thing and, and God's about ready to speak to him and all of a sudden this big gushing wind comes and starts knocking rocks out of place and the, the, the story says that God was not in the wind. And then there's this big giant earthquake that happens and the story says that God was not in the earthquake. And then that's followed up by a great big fire um, great big scary fire, but the story says that God was not in the fire. And then Elijah hears a whisper. He hears a whisper, kind of like Samuel the squirrel heard a whisper. And it's at that moment where Elijah realized that God was in the whisper. He was in the quietness of the whisper rather than the noise of all the things that was going on around him. And, you know, in a similar way, you know, it, w there's a lot of crazy things that are going on in our world right now, a lot of things that can be distracting. But you know what? I think oftentimes God is found in the stillness, in the silence, in the whisper of this life. And so it's so important for us to remove external distractions and even distractions of our own minds so that we can spend time with God and allow him to speak to us. Just another thing to think about as we pray you know, if, if you ever find that you're stressed out about something or worried about something or anxious about something, it seems like a really, really silly question to ask, but you need to ask yourself, have I prayed about this? There's been so many times in my life where I, I admittedly, I, I think about something that I'm stressed or worried about, and I think to myself, oh, have I prayed about that? And I, and I, and I think to myself, and there's been some times where I catch myself and I discover that, oh, maybe I didn't pray about this, uh, or maybe I didn't pray about this enough, and I have to go back to the Lord in prayer so ask yourself, whatever it is you're going through right now, if you're stressed about it, have you actually prayed about it? Another thing we need to do in prayer is we need to spend time thanking God for what he has done. Are your prayers rushed or angry or stressed or are they filled with thankfulness and gratitude for what God has done for you? It's so important for us to be thankful to God for what he has done for us because a thankful spirit has a way of crowding out selfish pride, fear, worry, anxiety, it diffuses anger, and it directs one's thoughts outwardly towards others. Um, I have a Facebook friend who posted something really refreshing that I think summarizes a, a lot of what I've been trying to say here. And, um, you know, I was encouraged by this because oftentimes on Facebook, you see people who are angry, 
who are opinionated, who are sarcastic, um, who are just kind of throwing arrows at each other, or they're just complaining about the world or whatever. And this, this post was really refreshing. And I want to read this to you. Uh, again, it's from a Facebook friend. He says, I'm just wondering if for the next three weeks, instead of complaining about coronavirus, complaining about masks, complaining about the government or anything, what if we change that to thankfulness? Be thankful you have air in your lungs. Be thankful you have a roof over your head. Be thankful you have food to eat. Be thankful for everything and anything or anything. Remember, you aren't owed anything in this life. It's all a gift each day. If you choose gratitude instead of complaining, I will bet you will see a difference in your own attitude and others will see it too. Right now, at the end of 2020, do an experiment. Try gratitude. Uh, well said. Well said. It's so important for us, especially gratitude with, with God. Spend more time thanking God for all the ways he has helped you, all the ways that he has blessed you. And that, has a, that will have a way of changing our own hearts. The last phrase I want to just briefly mention is the last verse, verse 7. And it's interesting how this service um, kind of led us to this point where we're talking about peace. And then you will experience God's peace, verse 7, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As you know, we're living in a time right now where we need God's peace more than ever. And the amazing thing about God is that God is generous. He is loving. He wants to give us this peace that we so desperately need. And, uh, and the Bible says that we will experience his peace. He wants to give it to us, and he will give it to us, assuming we do all these things that this passage talks about. But it's so important for us to focus um, the, 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 the root issue here of, of to why we can have this peace is because of Christ, because of our union with him. Because uh, when we are united with him, we know that when he comes again, he will rescue us. We know that we have the hope of living um, with him for eternity. And we know that we will have resurrected, glorified bodies. And um, there's, n there's nothing in this life, there's no amount of suffering in this life that is the end of the story for us. That uh, we have a good future eternal hope because of our relationship with Christ. And when we come to God in prayer and thank him for all he's done and trust him with the future and give all our worries and cares to him, uh, man, we will experience this peace that God talks about in this passage. Well, we're going to jump into a time of communion now. And if you haven't gotten your juice and crackers, now might be a time to do that, or juice and bread or whatever you have. If you don't have juice or crackers just, or bread, just use whatever you have. Um, but anyways, we were just reminded, the, com the community reminds us that Jesus gave his life for us. That he came, he gave his life for us, he shed his blood on the cross for our sins. He rose again. And you know what, I've got to be honest, I don't know where we would be if Christ never came for us, if he never died for us. You know, uh, we talked about this hope that we have in Christ and the hope of uh, this, this eternal life that we have in Christ. We have this hope that Jesus is coming back again. But you know what? If Jesus never came um, the, the first time and died for us, I don't know where we would be, honestly, when it came, came to hope. We, we'd be lost. But the communion table reminds us that we're not lost. We are people of hope. And it reminds us, of course, that Jesus gave his life for us, that we can be reconciled with God and have the hope of eternal life. The commun communion is for those who put their faith in Jesus. And so if you put your faith in Jesus today, we would welcome you to participate in in communion this, this morning. 
The Bible also calls us to examine ourselves before we participate in communion. And so I want to take a moment now, and, and I want to encourage you to ask the Lord if there's anything in your heart or your mind uh, where you've maybe fallen short, uh, or maybe there's an action, a deed, or something you did or didn't do where you've fallen short, and you need to bring that to the Lord to make things right before, before him. And if you need some help uh, as to think through what you might want to ask God to, um, to, to examine to you, maybe you can just uh, talk about some of the things we talked about today. Uh, ask God to reveal, is there anything in your heart or your life where maybe you've been worried or anxious about? Um, ask God to reveal, maybe if you haven't been considerate or gentle in your approach to others in the church or even outside the church. Have you been bitter or angry or, or hypercritical towards others? Um, ask God those types of questions and see what he says and just ask him to make your heart and your mind right before we participate. So with that, let's take a moment of silence. God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to take our place on the cross. Lord, we thank you for setting us free from our sins so that we could live our lives for you. We thank you and praise you for your love and for your forgiveness. And we thank you that we can have the hope of eternal life and that we can look forward to your return because of what you've done for us. Amen. I'm going to read a passage here. Uh, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and we had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And before you partake, uh, you might have juice and you might have bread. And we're just going to, bread or a cracker. And at this point, we're just going to partake of the, the cracker or bread together. So let's partake together. And we thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, that we can be reconciled to the Father. Lord, thank you for the suffering you had to endure on our behalf. And let me just read a passage of Scripture. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. Amen. Now we'll just pass it off to the worship team. <clears throat> 